one's doing all right today. And um, Ginger, I'm sitting right over there. Can you believe that? She tried to get up here and steal my bulletin. She just snatched it right out of my hand. I just snatched it back. It's mine. Uh, if you can tell, I'm not Chad. Chad is, is on his way back. We got it? Chad, Chad is on his way back from a children's camp, and he may already be back with the kids, um, but they will be back shortly if they're not. Um, so we will not be having children's sermon uh, today, but the children will be going out with Miss Laura to uh, kids' church. So that will be dismissed after the choir sings. So just remember that. But also, it is good to see you here this morning. If you're visiting with us for the first time, please take this opportunity to grab a visitor's card. You'll see them in the backs of the pews in front of you. Fill that out. Place it in the offering plate when it's passed or drop it off at their, our welcome center out in the vestibule in the foyer. And we would appreciate that. Um, don't forget that today we do have a business meeting immediately following the service. It shouldn't be too long. Um, but we do have that also coming up next Sunday. Next Sunday at 6 p.m., we start VBS, okay? VBS starts next week, next Sunday, and goes through the 27th. We will not have Wednesday night Bible study the week of VBS. So we will not be meeting in here for Bible study that week because we will have Hopefully this place full of kids. But uh, we, will have, we will have Bible study this coming week. We will start James chapter 3 at 6.30. So please be in here uh, at 6.30 for that. Youth and children down in the youth building at 6.30 as well for Bible study. And Tuesday night, 6 o'clock here, they are ne they're going to, the men are going to be meeting. They're going to be putting up metal sheeting. So uh, if you can come and help with that, it would be greatly appreciated. Six o'clock. So uh, be here for that, for that work day. Also, we have uh, Joy's going to be coming and, and making a couple of announcements. But we also have our Creek Fellowship coming up on the 30th, the last Sunday of July. 30th at 6 o'clock down at the creek. This is a, uh, basically, whatever you bring to eat is what we eat. But we have a good time, um, so be here for that as well. And enjoy if you will come and share your announcements. Uh, first all in the bulletin is we're having WMU Tuesday night at Sandra Green's house. It'll be at 6.30, and we'll meet here at 6 o'clock to uh, carpool. If you want to go, just give me a call or message me and let me know that uh, you'll be here so I won't leave you. So we'll <coughs> meet at the church at 6 o'clock on Tuesday. 
And then on August the 4th, we'll be feeding the homeless at uh, First Baptist. We need help with donations of food, sandwiches, and cookies. We've already got the chips taken care of. And I'll put this sign up on the uh, bulletin board out here down the hall if you'd sign up for uh, whatever you can bring and if you can come and help us. And the most important thing is the nominating committee. And we need volunteers to fill the positions of the church. Uh, if you'll just fill out that little yellow volunteer sheet and leave it in the basket out at the desk, it would be appreciated. And there's a job for everybody. So I hope to see your paper in there. Thank you. I won. <laughs> um, we do have an announcement this morning. Uh, I have been considering taking up a position as a stand-up comic <clears throat> comedian. So I decided my first joke is going to be, Artie's birthday is Tuesday and he's going to be 39. Ha ha ha! Thank you, Ginger. <laughs> Let's stand and sing happy birthday to this old man. If you're old enough to know this, you're, old, you're as old as Sandra, my name's not Jack Benny. <laughs> happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear old man. Happy birthday to you. I did, I told Ginger, I showed her something the other day. It said, uh, my mind thinks I'm 29. My humor thinks I'm 12. And my body keeps asking if I'm sure I'm not dead yet. <laughs> and that pretty much describes my life because I just, I showed her a video I found on Facebook right after that. And she said, are you 12 years old? <laughs> and I'm like, yes, I still think that stuff's funny. So, uh, but anyway, uh, thank you very much. I do appreciate that. Uh, but now we're going to go to the Lord in prayer and start our service together. So if you would please join me as we begin our worship time. Our blessed Heavenly Father, we come before you. Dear Lord, it is so great and such a privilege to be able to laugh with your people. So many times people think that Christians are just fuddy-duddies and stuck in the mud. But dear Lord, we more than anyone else should see the joy in life, the humor in life, and be able to laugh, especially when others are crying. Dear Lord, it is because of you that we have that joy. Allow us to experience it at its fullness today. Lord, I pray that there are people that are not here this morning because of sickness. I ask that you work in their lives. You strengthen their body. You heal them. 
Dear Lord, we actually have people here right now with us that are dealing with health issues. Dear Lord, continue to strengthen them, to continue to guide them. And we will continue to give you that honor and glory because of it. Dear Lord, I pray today that as Sandra and the choir leads us in worship, that we'll, we will sing your praises to the best of our ability. Dear Lord, it doesn't matter if we can carry a tune. But dear Lord, if we're singing to you, that's all that matters. Dear Lord, I ask that, that you speak through our, our special speaker today, Stephen Hogg, that you will speak through him as he shares with us the ministry of hands-on missions. Dear Lord, I pray that your spirit move among your people today and that everything that is done and said will be to your honor and glory. But dear Lord, I pray most of all that today a life will be changed because of Jesus Christ. Dear Lord, the gospel is why we are here today. And dear Lord, may it be proclaimed with all boldness. Have your way with us today as we worship you. And it's in the holy and precious name of Jesus Christ, our living Savior, we pray. Amen.
Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we do thank you for our many blessings. You have just blessed us uh, far beyond any way we can measure. So now we want to give back to you a small portion. So we ask that you bless this gift and the giver. For it is your name that we pray. Amen. Would you stand again as we sing our hymn of praise, number 140. We'll sing the first and the fourth verses, page 140. Sandra, we had to uh, make some adjustments, and I forgot to tell you because you weren't there. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, but last week we did our nominations for deacon, and so I would like to announce our those that have accepted the nomination and will be on our ballot, and uh, they are Nick Barcher, Dan Branham, Doug Pittman, and Chris Sanders. Those will be the four that are, are up for nomination for deacon. We are electing two that will be, take office in September when our new church here starts, replacing Jim Humphreys and Jim Kinder on the deacon board. But as is our custom over the last several years, you are going to hear a testimony from each one of these nominations or nominees. And we will start today with Doug Pittman, and then Dan Branham will come and share his testimony after Doug is finished. Good morning. Public speaking. Everybody likes that, I'm sure. But the uh, Lord is on all of our sides, everything we do. And I want to thank all of you for considering me as a candidate for deacon. I've been one before here, and the, the challenges of life and the challenges of being a deacon are uh, mostly intertwined because it's something we do. I was 19 years old when I was saved by the Lord, Lord's grace, and baptized by a pastor named Ralph Banning. He was from Mill Springs, North Carolina, in the church there, and he baptized me at Crestview Baptist, excuse me, Campfield Baptist Church in Ellenborough. 
My contact with this man has helped me to, uh, to have a better understanding of how you know, perceptions of what Christ is happens. It happens because we bow in directions to be a certain way, to be like the world is, or we hang on to a strictness of what the Bible teaches in some ways. And what his faith and his part was that his kids never got presents on Sunday morning. So I'd never heard about that kind of thing, but in the fact of being around him and so devout as he was, that he was strictly saying to his children that Christ was born for us on that day. And we were not just to expect gifts because he gives us gifts every day. And he gives us the greatest gift, which was Jesus Christ himself. So I thank you all for the nomination of the challenging and the life of being a deacon. And I, uh, if I'm elected, I hope that uh, I am worthy to receive all everything that the Lord will grant me and everything that you people need. Thank you. Um, listen, I had something to read, but I, I know I'll get too emotional speaking on it. And what the Lord has done for me. So, see, I already started. So I'll never make it through it. We'd be here for an hour, the whole hour. Sorry. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So my wife is saying read it. Okay. So I'm going to read it. Uh, okay. But let me first start out with the word. Let me put these on last time. I didn't have these on, so I couldn't hardly see. So, of course, Romans 3, 23. Or, or Romans 3, 23. For all the sin to fall short of the glory of God, and we are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. That's it. I mean, I could just walk off right now and just say that I was, I fell so short that Christ could be standing where this microphone is and I would fall down back here in the baptistry. Just that short. There's that shorter leap. So I just, I just wanted to open up with that and just also say that, let me tell you how, God, how good God is, is that he was working on me, and I didn't say this last time, he was working on me before he called me at the age of 12. He showed me, because I was no, by, by no means a scholar of the word before, I, even at 12 I was no scholar. I didn't jump in and say, oh, I understand everything. But the thing was that he showed me that even before that that some things are just not right. Some things that I saw, even in my own family, were just not right. Living in the word and saying, well, this is what the Bible says, but then living over here the other way, it was not right. And thank the Lord he showed me that way. Now, I didn't mean when I get older it changed, but, you know, he was already working on me. So, church, I was lost. No matter what I grew up in, the circumstances I grew up in, I was lost. Even though I was 12, I was still lost. He had to show me that. Um, he showed me a sacrifice for me and my need for him as the Savior and Lord, and I begged his forgiveness to be that in my life because that's what it is all about. Got nothing to do with me. At the time, I didn't understand and have a full understanding. Like I said, I didn't have an impact of what Lord meant because it was very hard to grow up in a situation and not have a strong godly influence in my life. I didn't have anybody to guide me as a new believer. And again, if you want details, get with me later because, like I said, we could be here forever. So after a while of trying to dive into the Word, not having anyone to sit there to explain to me, hey, just think, because things are bad right now, doesn't mean that God is not, or Christ is not going to use you. God is not going to use you to show people that 
this is what God can do with you, right? So I would see people who would call themselves Christians act like the devil during the week. You, you guys heard that before. Uh, so it just confused me more than ever. And I would see things, again, that the Holy Spirit was showing me just didn't line up. And I would ask the question of people in the church, why do we believe what we believe? And their answer is, this is just the way what we believe. That's not an answer, especially to a 12-year-old kid who have, has no clue of what being a Christian is, of what knowing Jesus, knowing and following Jesus means. doesn't. Um, so I pretty much, I just, I just walked away. And slowly but surely, I just stopped reading the Bible. I stopped praying. I stopped doing all this. And, you know, if you don't think discipleship in church family is important, that what we know, what we believe is important. When you call for the invitation today, everybody needs to come down here at the altar and ask God what he thinks about discipleship because he did it himself. It's in the word. He did it. And what we need to know, we need to know what, we're, what we believe. We need to grow deeper in our walk. And thank you, by the way, for your nomination. If you, if you do, thank you. But it's, it's all up to the Lord. And, and if you're looking... For an example of what discipleship or not getting discipleship in your life looks like, it's me. And again, I'm approachable. You can ask me all kinds of stuff if you want to later on. Um, and I, I'd be more than happy to tell you. Um, so, I, of course, I, like I was saying, I drifted away. Um, I drifted so far away in my sin that I could not hear the Lord anymore. Thing is, I still believed in God. I believed in Jesus and what he did for me. The problem is I didn't know him, and I couldn't hear him. I was looking back at prior circumstances. I was holding on to the past, the people I surrounded myself with. In church, I was a sailor. I'm a retired Navy guy, and I was the sailor that, if you have an idea of what a sailor is, from the movies and from the... I was that guy, all right? Um, but it was years later that... I was witnessed to by my mother-in-law, Celeste, my wife back here. But even then, I still wasn't repentant. I still didn't understand the whole meaning of who he was and who he was in my life and what, what it meant to what we talked about this morning in Luke. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow him. I didn't understand that. And granted, it's nobody else's fault in how I turned out because I do have a personal stake in my own walk with the Lord. I have to be accountable to my, I have to be accountable for it. It's nobody else in here responsibility to make sure that I get up, read my Bible, pray, and follow. It, 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 there's nobody responsible but me. But it would be nice for discipleship, just in case. If I haven't said that once or twice, then yes, that's, it's very important. Um, so the biggest thing is what hit me the day that someone who was lost, that I had the opportunity to witness to later, but said to me, you're a Christian? And I know if you've heard my testimony before, that is a big impact when somebody asks you, asks you that. And it, was, and it made a big impact on me because that's the day the Lord says, enough. I am done with you making a mockery of who I am and what I do and what I... Your creator. I'm your creator. So it was that day that I... I mean, when the Lord says enough, it says there is no negotiation. You're going to do what I tell you to do. You can't negotiate with the Lord. There's only repentance, restoration, and obedience. 
And it's been quite the sanctification process ever since. And thank the Lord, it's a growing process. He's shown me in areas of my life where I need to, he needs to burn out, remove, and he is still refining me. He demanded I hand over all my old baggage from the past I was carrying and shed light on anything I try to hide. I wish I could say I'd never had, uh, never questioned the Lord and why this happens or what's the point. I wish I could say I haven't stumbled or completely fell on my face, that I have stumbled over my words when I'm trying to witness, and you can see I can stumble over my words right now just trying to do this. I don't know the Lord or his word as well as I should, that I fail as a spiritual leader, or I have failed as a spiritual leader in my household, or have not been the best example of a godly husband. Poor father. Because all these failures are my fault, not God's. I wasn't looking to him and everything in my life. When I have done or still try to do things on my own, I fail. And I still don't have it all figured out. I don't know everything in the word. Have I failed him? Yes. Have I disappointed him? Many times. And I still do. But thankfully, Psalms 86.15 says, But you, O Lord, are a God full of compassion and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in mercy and truth. Thank the Lord that his grace, patience, and mercy are not the level of mine are at. Because I can't even stand myself sometimes. But church, let me tell you about the joyful things. I have the assurance of his salvation through Jesus. Being forgiven, being justified, the joy to tell others about the Lord and what he's done for me and what he can do for them, giving me joy through trials and circumstances, knowing that he can, not me, use any part of this testimony today to plant a seed in someone's heart or to call them back into his presence, knowing that I can spend time with my Heavenly Father every day, knowing that I will spend eternity with him, being provided his word as instruction and structure for my life and understanding and accepting that finally that his truth is the only truth. He gave me emotions, but they don't trump his word or his truth. Being provided a blood family and also a bought by the blood family, which both are by no means perfect, but we are still family. The ability to fellowship, the freedom from chaos and pain from the past, forgiving others because he forgave me. The ability to serve a gracious God. It's just, it, for me, it's exciting, church. It, it, it is, and what he's done for me. And it's only for his... His discernment that I understand the word at all. It's only from his discernment that comes from the Lord and he offers consistent forgiveness, grace, and mercy. And I'll say this, and I, I, again, I, if, you, if you hear him calling today, if he's calling you to repentance right now, I'm sure nobody would care. You can come down here at the altar and pray and ask for his forgiveness. I, I guarantee you nobody, and if you did, you got issues. You need to come up. You need to be up here to yourself. If you need to come back in His saving grace, if you wandered away like I did, come back. I'm tell you. I, I just tell, the other day I was telling Celeste how much time I wasted. I'm like you idiot. The amount of time that you wasted running from the Lord and not being obedient. How much work could He have done through me if I would have been obedient? Just, just come back. Hey, call out to Him. Don't waste any more time. And I'll say this, I'll say the last thing, go ahead and wrap it up. The thing is, 
before we do the whole, um, you know, nominations and, and checking off the list, however we, uh, however we do it, circling names, I want you to pray. I want you to be in prayer before we do that. Please do. Please pray about it because it is the Lord's decision who goes in that spot of the elected position. We still should serve no matter what, but you need, you need to be in prayer about it. Because for me, it's a serious, serious calling, and it shouldn't be taken lightly. Even though I've done it before, I've done the deacon chairman at other churches, it's still a very serious calling, and it should never be automatic check. And no, no matter what I've said about my testimony, I want you to go to the Lord in prayer. But, and why is that? Because in 1 Timothy 3.8, the first word in the first verse says, likewise. Likewise, if being a deacon was a simple task, it would not carry the same weight as overseers. Some of the same weight. The only difference is we don't sit up here and preach. Thank the Lord he didn't call me to be a preacher because right now it would be what you'd be getting. Dude, sweating up here, nervous. I, you know, Well, the Lord would handle that. So, But it does carry some weight, right? So don't just take it lightly. Be in prayer about it. And how do you know? Just look at the standards. Go down to 1 Timothy verse, chapter 3, and just look at the, look at the qualifications of the, of the deacon. Go back and say, okay, this is what I'm going to do. Go through the check mark, right? Because it doesn't just include me. It includes Celeste also, right? She's in there too. It includes my family. Um, but if you get confused and say, well, I don't remember if Dan said this or Dan said that or if he's done... Go back to the first thing. Just pray. But thank you again. Thank you for your time. Hopefully I didn't go off rail here, but thank you. Oh. 
the children are dismissed to, with Miss Laura to go to Children's Church. And there's Pastor Chad back there in the back waving. He's been at, at camp. But over the last several weeks, we have been, I've been sharing sermons about getting up and, and getting out and working and using the gift that God gave us to further his kingdom. So for the next few weeks, we're going to have special guests come in and speak. Today, we have the Right Reverend Stephen Hogg, who I affectionately call Boss, uh, the Director of Hands-On Mission here in, in Cleveland County, and he is going to share with us what God has laid on his heart and share about his ministry that we have opportunities to work with here locally as well as abroad. So, Stephen. All right, thank you, Brother Artie, and uh, God bless you. Got my hands full, brother. Yeah, I know, I see you. I'm going to go ahead and get the infomercial out of the way first. I can't really talk real fast. They got the commercial set. It's tax deductible, 101, you 1040. No, I don't do that stuff. All right, but out in the vestibule, I have the latest newsletter from Hands on Missions. It is so hot off the press, it just got mailed, I believe, a day or so ago. So I don't even think if the postal service is like they normally are, people in Shelby might get this sometime next week, okay? But you have a chance to get your hands on a copy of that this morning. And I encourage you to do that because I am on the cusp of taking a team to Africa Tuesday morning at 5 o'clock. So for those of you who will uh, be able to get some rest for me for the next two weeks, I encourage you to go ahead and do that. You bank that rest because we're going to be very busy the next two weeks provide medical missions using that as the outlet to share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're going to be in the country of Tanzania. Some people call it Tanzania, Tanzania. I asked the people of Tanzania what is the proper pronunciation. They say Tanzania and then others say Tanzania. So I haven't gotten clarity on that yet. But nonetheless... Our team is small that's going to Tanzania, but I'm here to tell you this morning that our God is large. All right? And there are so many people in a stronghold of Muslim population. Uh, they are receptive to the gospel, and we will use the means of medical and we're going to actually have about 10 or 11 on the ground in Tanzania to share the gospel and perform medical missions when we're there. So I will be gone with the team for pretty much the entire month of July. So you're actually, it's going to be hotter here next week than it's going to be in Africa. Can you believe that? I'm going to where it's going to be cooler. Which reminds me of another story, if we have another time, that I come back, I'll share about the heat in Carolina, okay? The second, uh, another thing I want to share with you, back here, Pastor already put on the bulletin board, 
The Collinsworth family is coming to Shelby, North Carolina. Now, if you like Southern gospel music, you will not want to miss the Collinsworth family. All right? And you're kind of getting the first dibs on being able to come and not only hear the Collinsworth family, but support hands-on missions while you do that. Because it's getting ready to go on the radio by the end of next week. So you can get the best seats in the house. Well, I say you can get the best seats in the house. The best seats in the house are already sold out. Uh, this does draw some national. We've sold tickets to people from already from Tennessee, South Carolina. Uh, people are coming in from up above Greensboro, Mayberry, North Carolina, everything. But ticket sales are 30 to $60. So you can purchase those at handsonmissions.org, and I encourage you to do that sooner than later. This show will sell out. It's going to be at the Malcolm Brown Auditorium right out here at Shelby High School. And I've made it real simple for you to remember. It's 9-23-23 at 7 p.m. Okay? So take advantage of this. And I've said enough about hands-on missions. We've had, we have a team that is going to Brazil in September. And I would encourage you, if you already have a passport and you feel like the Lord is calling you to go to Brazil, you need to speak to me when I immediately return from Africa. We have right now currently 11 who signed up to go, and there's some others that are praying about going, and uh, so our team could even grow more. So I encourage you, brother, if all your, deacon, uh, your deacons are like the two that spoke this morning, I, I need them kind of people to go on mission trips with me, Okay. I just really need those kind of people to go on mission trips. So praise the Lord. Hey, I don't even think I have to share the gospel this morning. Because the gospel was shared. But uh, nonetheless, I can appreciate the fact that, hey, we have a responsibility as pastors. You know, I was trying to think of the dear sister who was going to take up a comedian's. Uh, she felt called to become a comedian. You know, I always thought that the Lord, He said Sunday was a day of rest, right? But it's the only day of the week that us preachers work, right? He's kind of funny about that, isn't it? Isn't that what everybody thinks? Preachers only work one day a week. That's on Sunday. Everybody else gets to rest, but not the preacher. And then what about this? What about uh, the Lord says, go to the ends of the earth. But then He made the earth round, didn't He? Where is the end of the earth? No, there is no end. It's just, it's nicer conference. So maybe that'll help you out as you endeavor to do your, start your comedian act. Hey, this morning, I doubt it. <laughs> but this morning, if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn to a very familiar passage. Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 1. And I want us this morning to consider this familiar passage.
I do like what the brother Dan said that, you know, part about growing up in church sometimes is when you ask the question, well, why do we do something? I want more of an answer than just simply, well, it's just because we've always done it that way. You see, God's Word wants to enlighten us through the work of the Holy Spirit. And it is the responsibility through good biblical preaching and teaching that we're able to understand what God is trying to convey to us through His Scripture. And if you've done... If you spend any time in the church, you're familiar with Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. You may have heard countless messages preached from it. But you know what? I believe that no, many, no matter how many times we, re, we come to this passage, we just merely scratch the surface. To hear Paul say, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. The Jew first and also to the Greek. For it is the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Boy, Paul has packed a lot into that statement right there. You know, for him to say, I am not ashamed. Think about the things that we value in life. Now, I have a couple youngsters with me this morning that I'm not ashamed of. They're known as my granddaughters. And I'm affectionately known to them as Popsy. Alright? They call, you know, the big deal was when our daughters became pregnant, what were the kids going to call us? Well, I informed them they could call me Popsy. Well, that made my wife Mopsy. Now, I think I kind of got the better end of that deal, right? But when I think about my grandchildren, I'm driven by passion because I love those kids, right? I mean, that's why for the last five evenings, we were counting it up this morning because they're going home today. We were counting... And by their own admission, they say they're ready to go home. Okay? They miss mom and dad. All right? But when I talk about my grandchildren, I'm not ashamed of my grandchildren. I have, I have so many things that I want to share about who they are. Because they're special. Just like for those of you who are like me that have grandchildren, you're proud of them. You're not ashamed of them. You're passionate about them. And isn't it funny how we're passionate about things? But then when it comes to sharing what God has done and redeemed us, boy, we kind of get tight-lipped, don't we? 
well, I may be kind of fearful what might, they might say about it. Well, I can't talk about it at work. You know, I might offend somebody. It's not politically correct. But Paul reminds us, see, he had been caught up in that, all that scenario before. Now, I know that you can argue that Paul was a person who was zealous about everything he'd done. Before he met the Lord Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus, he was driven to go and destroy the early church, or the way, as Christians were called at that time. You may say that was just his demeanor. But it ought to bother us as the body of Christ that we're being told that we have to compromise what God is saying in His Word. I'm not ashamed of this. You see, if I compromise on this, as a Christian, as a child of God, it doesn't change my eternal destination, but it sure gives the devil some victory in destroying my testimony. Well, you know, that's why it's so important that we stay in the Word. That we stay in communication. You know, <laughs> how important is this today? I remember when my kids were growing up and they simply said, I got to have a cell phone. Well, I didn't have one when I was 13. Why do you need one? Well, then my wife said, well, we need to at least give them one when they get to driver's license so they can call us if they get in a bind. Well, I somewhat agreed to that, but then, you know, we didn't have that. Sometimes I just question what happened to common sense in this world. But the world is a dangerous place. So we did grant our children, when they began, acquired their license, that they could have a phone. But you know what? Man, we use this to communicate a lot of things, don't we? The things that we're passionate about. But often, we don't communicate with the one who desires and loves and gave himself for us. You know, it's just one day here, we missed out. One day there, we missed out. And the next thing you know, there's an absence of peace that exists in our lives. And that absence of peace is what's absent from our world. You know, the prophet Jeremiah said, you know, I found thy word, and I consumed them. I ate them. Can you imagine that? He said it was like it was 
it was like it was sweet to him. He said that in Jeremiah. Listen what he said in Jeremiah 6, 16. It says, Thus saith the Lord, Stand ye in the ways and see and ask for the old paths where is the good way and walk therein and you shall find rest for your soul. Jeremiah 6 and 16. And then he said, you know what? He said, thy words were found and I ate them and thy words became for me a joy and delight for my heart. For I have been called by thy name, O Lord thy God. Jeremiah 15 and 16. You see, there's benefits in our text today for salvation. There are so many benefits that I want to share just briefly this morning. And I think it begs us to ask at least three questions this morning. What does salvation mean? What does salvation simply mean? For Paul to write, I am not ashamed. All right, of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. For him to write that, what does salvation mean? And what does salvation provide for the believer? And what is the continuation of salvation? You see, I believe this morning that salvation... What salvation does, it offers us the freedom or the deliverance from the power of sin. It also delivers us from the guilt of sin. And thirdly, it removes the pollution of sin. So let's talk about how salvation delivers us from the power of sin. You see, you and I can hardly fathom what the world was before. Adam and Eve, the first two that were created, they existed in direct communication with God. It says in, our, in God's Word that in the evening God would come. And He would call out to Adam and Eve. And they would have communication. Adam, where are you? And it says, you know, kind of like the old hymn. And he walks with me and he talks with me. And he tells me I am his own. You know, it's hard for us to imagine that. I mean, there was perfect harmony between Adam and Eve and God. There was no separation. And then man fell victim to his own pride because he began to question God because he was deceived to believe that God didn't have his best interest in mind. You see, Satan hasn't changed his ways, not from the very beginning. He still tries to twist. And change and get you to believe that maybe you ought to question God. 
That is why the authority of God's Word is under question even today. You know, when you and I decide to question the authority of what is written in here, boy, we get on a slippery slope. I don't know about you, Brother Artie, but it's been a long time since I've ice skated. And I went down to Charlotte one holiday season a couple years ago, and I got on those single-blade monsters, is what I call them. And the next thing I know, whoo, I was out there. And then I got to hugging the wall, and it won't NASCAR, it won't rubbing, all right? I was just hugging the wall, you know, going around. But you see... It's sort of like when we question the authority of God's Word. It's like that slippery ice. We'll find ourselves crashing and burning. Crashing and burning. But salvation is meant to deliver us from the power of sin. Think about this. What had occurred then was a penalty that has fallen upon all humanity. Romans 5.12 tells us this. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death by sin, and so death spread to all men. Romans 5.12 Just like the brother shared earlier. Romans 3.23 For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I don't know the last time you checked it out, Webster's. But all means all, and that's all that all means. Alright? Everyone is born with the curse. The curse of sin. You see, these matters have an eternal impact. But salvation offers us the redemption that God offers through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, can relieve us or deliver us from the power of sin. Because it says in Romans 5, 19, For by the obedience of one, many will be made righteous. Praise the Lord. You know what sin has brought into our world? Pastor Jonathan Edwards, in 1874, preached a message. Man in the hands of an angry God. Now yesterday, I took these grandchildren to the Pacolet River up here in Trine. And they had a big old log swing. Somebody had taken some ski rope and tied it off on a branch. And man, when I put them on that, shoo, they went out over that river. Man, that looked good. I said, you want to go higher? Go higher. And I looked up there, and I got to thinking, boy, that rope don't, the integrity of that rope, it don't look as good. It certainly ain't brand new. It's been up there for a while, and I didn't push them as far this time. But what Jonathan Edwards described in this message, it's like man is being held by the finest of threads over the, the mouth of hell. 
And by him denying the redemption found in Jesus Christ, he doesn't realize how close he is to falling into eternity to where the Bible describes where there's wailing and gnashing of teeth. Eternally separated from God. You know, I, I, don't, I don't know if this is... I would only say this is my opinion. But I believe, yes, there's going to be wailing and gnashing of teeth. It's, it's going to be miserable. But I think the most miserable thing about hell is that you're going to know that you're eternally separated from a loving God. I think that that is going to be the thing that's going to bother people the most. Because it said what? When the, the man looked up and he saw Lazarus, he said, send him back. Send him back so he can tell my brothers. And what did the Lord say? They had the prophets. What good would it be if one went back? So salvation delivers us from the power of sin. Salvation delivers us from the guilt of sin. You see, this component of salvation offers us a breath of fresh air. Whether we admit that we understand guilt or not, it's kind of easy to recognize. Have you ever disciplined a child? Or have you ever kind of called a person out? Boy, you kind of understand when they're guilty. You can kind of read it all over their face, can't you? You know, I looked in the mirror today and I found another wrinkle. Boy, it's tough getting older. But you know, when you get a frown on your face, there's a lot of wrinkles in it. The thing about it is, is that we understand what guilt is. And we could never truly understand God's redemption unless He introduced the law. You see, the law was meant not never to redeem us, but to point us toward redemption. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness. You know, a lot of people can tell you, oh, I ain't never killed, I ain't never stole anything, I never, you know, well, have you ever told a lie? Uh, well, mm, they got to think about that one. You know, it was intended to direct us toward the redemption of God's plan. And the beautiful thing about it is, is it points us to the free gift of salvation. So many people. I, I was witnessing to a lady in Brazil one time, just sharing scripture, like Acts 4.12, neither is there salvation any other. My Bible don't say that. I said, man, where is your Bible? She said, it's up there on the shelf. I said, may I get it down? Well, sure. I pulled it down and opened it up to Acts 4.12. I said, there, right there. I never knew that. I showed her every verse that I told her. 
It's all a free gift. But so many people are trying to measure up to God's level. God is in a class of his own. He is perfect. And you know what? The last time I checked, there's no perfect people in the world. As much as you might like to believe you're as close to perfection as it is, just ask your neighbor, all right? Well, you see, salvation delivers us from the guilt of sin. You see, while the guilt of sin has produced a stronghold upon humanity, salvation is God's plan to release its control. I think one of the best examples of this is the story of the Gadarene man. Jesus comes and arrives in the boat. Here's a man who is shackled. I mean, his family has disowned him. He is so much under the influence of his guilt and the power of sin that no one can control this man. But Jesus arrives on the scene. And for the first time, this man recognizes God's love and the redemption and Jesus miraculously transforms this man's life. And he had been pushed out into the grave yards. And he begged the Lord. He said, may I go and tell the story of what you have done in my life. And Jesus said, no, go back to your family. Go back to your home and tell what the Lord has done for you. You see, salvation delivers us not only from the power of sin, but from the guilt of sin. Yes, it controlled the Gadarene, but it doesn't have to have control on you and I. Thirdly, salvation removes the pollution of sin. Do you ever get the chance to go to India with hands on missions? A good air index day is 495. Now they get in a little tissy around here if we're in the 90s. I'm telling you, 495. The oxygen is literally sucked out of the air. About 2.30 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon, your body says, I want some rest. I've got to have some sleep due to the lack of oxygen. Well, believer, Crestview, if you allow sin to pollute your life, guess what? You're not going to function as you were meant to function. You're going to just, you're just going to lay down. You're going to lay down but you don't have to because the transforming work of redemption is changing your life through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, the prophet Isaiah, when we talk about the pollution of sin, he teaches us or gives us some insight. He says this. I like what the ESV translation says. All our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, 
if I'm going to clean my car, I love my grandkids, but the other day they, they bought a rag out that I cleaned the wheels and all the brake dust was on it. And they said, here, I'll clean your car with this. I said, oh, no, 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 no. You wouldn't get out a dirty rag to clean your car. You'd want a nice clean rag. But Isaiah is trying to emphasize that no matter how you try to put on the auto bail in your life, guess what? Your righteousness is like polluted rags, filthy rags. There's nothing that you can do today to change your situation apart from God's redeeming love. So this morning, I want you to know this. We can visualize the word salvation and its progression of power in accordance to time. The believer can profess that I am saved, that I am being saved, and that I am being saved. Salvation requires you and I to place our faith into God's eternal redemption. You see, Acts 4.12 states, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. You see, when we call upon God's redemption, then we'll be as the Apostle Paul, where he wrote, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for in it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So here's the application this morning. Because salvation delivers us from the power, the guilt, and the pollution of sin, we can have confidence that God is transforming us to become more like Christ. That's what I love what the Apostle John said in 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. That when He appears, we will know Him because we will be like Him. I'm going to invite Pastor Artie to come up. If you would, just bow your heads. Maybe you'd stand. Maybe the musician, we're going to have an invitational hymnal here this morning. Go ahead and stand to your feet. Bow your heads this morning. Maybe there's somebody in the in the sanctuary this morning that just needs to, to be real honest with God this morning. Have you truly placed your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ this morning? Do you need God's redemption not only to remove the power of sin in your life, and not only to remove the guilt of sin in your life, and the pollution of sin in your life? Today, you have the opportunity to respond to the Spirit's calling. God loves you, and so do we. And I know that Pastor Artie would invite you to come down and get this eternal decision made, made this morning. Let me pray for you.
Gracious Father, this morning, thank you. Thank you that, dear God, we can call out to you. And Father, it says that you, dear God, it's your spirit that's working through the preaching of foolish men, dear God. Lord, I pray that if there's a heart that your spirit is convicting this morning, dear God, I pray that there would be a response. Dear God, I pray that eternity can be settled once and for all this morning by simply coming this morning and just simply asking for forgiveness of sin and claiming the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Thank you, dear God, for loving us for being that sacrifice on our behalf, dear God. Thank you, dear Lord, for loving us. In Christ's name I pray. Amen and amen. Would you turn your hymnals to page 572 as we sing, I Love to Tell the Story for our invitational hymn. Lord, we just thank you for this day, Lord. We just thank you for the message that Stephen Hogg paid, uh, gave us today about salvation. Lord, and just let us be thinking about what we need to do if we need to go out and be disciples. Lord, and I just ask you to be with us as a church as we go into our deacon uh, election in the next couple of weeks. Lord, just be with everybody and let us pray. Make the decision for the church best for you. Lord, and... I ask you to lead and guide us in everything we do. In your name we pray, amen.